0: You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Today we begin a brand new series, and it is really important Yet it is going to require us to dig in and to cling to Jesus a whole lot. And it's a series that it needs to be talked about, but oftentimes we avoid topics like this because of the, the heart work that comes with it. Now, notice I said heart work and not hard work, because there's a difference. So hard work is something based on our abilities, our efforts to be able to make the change, so, like, for instance, we work hard to mow our lawn and get that really cool crisscross pattern thing going. Hey, guys, you ever done that? Like, I can't do it. I don't know. Like, it looks great. Um, we work hard to study in school. Students, right? We want to study hard in school, eventually maybe go to college if that's the track that you're going on. You work hard to clean your house before your in-laws come so they don't, you're not like a schlub or anything like that, okay? Not, not that we'd ever do that. I would do that, right? We'd never do, right? But, but hard work is where we physically do something for a desired result. And we don't always achieve those things. It's not guaranteed, but, but we work hard. We still put in the effort to have that hard work happen. Now, hard work is actually harder than hard work because hard work requires us to let go of us doing things and instead let God do something in us, that we allow him access to our hearts to change them, to mold them, to be more like him. And this is what I pray is going to happen during this series. I pray that a bunch of heart work gets done so that the, the, the God's presence in our life will increase and we will live lives even more in line with what he wants for us. And what we're going to be tackling is one of the more, I would say, debated topics in the world today. It's really this idea of, of identity. What is our identity? And everywhere you turn, this question seems to be bubbling to the surface like that mysterious foam that forms when you boil spaghetti. You're like, where did that come from, Right? It's the topic of podcasts and blogs and news articles, even random conversations you have with your buddies. It seems like the world is asking this question more than ever. Like, who are we? What are we? How do I know who I am? And all of it circles around this one word, identity. And what you'll find is that there is no lack of sources that the world would want us to answer those questions by. And the world is actually, has has a cooler full of choices, all perfectly chilled for us to sample at any time. It'll whisper to us that our identity can be found in our job or our sexuality or our bank accounts or our percent body fat. We, We could find it in who we vote for or what our political party is or even the country that we call home. Social media will tell us that we should identify ourselves with a filter that's on, to have an opinion about everything, and to cancel anyone that doesn't agree just like we, we think. We are asked every day to become more and more like what we see around us, not just to be part of the world, but to actually find our identity by the world. And I'll be honest, I fought this myself in the past, and even still fight it today, I, I vividly remember when I, I had the opportunity and the, the blessing to be able to play Division I baseball at the University of Nebraska. I played professionally for a little bit, even was a, a batting practice pitcher for the, for the Chicago White Sox for a year. It was a, an awesome run. But, but I ultimately remembered my last professional game ever and I remember my last game and I was in the locker room and I was looking down at my, on the buttons of my jersey and I could barely see them because I was having a hard time unbuttoning them because all I could think about was when I take off this jersey and I put it into that laundry basket and they, they wheel it away, with it goes Baseball Brian, that I no longer have, will be identified as Baseball Brian from that point moving forward. And my whole life up until that point had been that. It took me seven years to figure out who I was after that moment, believe it or not. And now, as a pastor, it could easily kind of come that same way. way. I'm Pastor Brian. Maybe that's all that I've ever known. If being a pastor goes away, will I really be anybody? And so, guys, I I struggle with this identity thing just as much as anybody else. But here's what um, kind of dawned on me as I was thinking about this a a little bit more. And even if you don't believe in God or you want nothing to do with religion or Jesus, I bet that you'll resonate with what I'm about to say. Because having your identity come out of what the world tells you is actually unsustainable. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Think about this with me just on the sheer surface level of this evaluation. So do you have the same phone, the same cell phone that you had, let's say, five, six years ago? Do you still use it? Is your hairstyle the same that it was 10 years ago? Have, have you changed your fashion style at some point? Do you say the same phrases that you used to say when you were younger? And the answer to those, of course, is very obvious. I mean, really, right? You don't have the same phone that you had five, six years ago. You definitely changed your hairstyle. You don't even wear the same style of clothes. And you probably don't say, psychedelic, dude, like anymore. Like, you just don't say that, right? Why? Because the culture changed. Once, what was once in style is now out of style, what was once socially accepted in the world is not anymore. What was once cool is now hideously embarrassing to your kids, according to your kids, right? You should never wear that, right? So, so culture changed and we changed. And some of this is inevitable. I understand that. And it doesn't necessarily have like this deep down identity defining part of you. Like I get that. But, but it is interesting to consider how much we adjust based on what the culture says, But to pin our complete identity on the culture at large, you should know, it means that we will constantly have to change to keep up with the identity that the world tells us that we should have, which is exactly what's happening in the world today. So many people are concerned about what the world says, that they will morph their identity to match the leading trend or the biggest cause happening so they'll blend in with the cultural identity norm all around them. And we've seen it happen in small ways. Like we've seen it when people, you remember this during COVID when people quit their job to start trading Bitcoin because they thought that was the thing to do, right? Melanie, maybe you heard about that before, right? right? Or, or when people started getting a tattoo because they thought Dwayne the Rock Johnson has it, so clearly I'm going to look the same as him. You don't, okay? Just a heads up, right? And, and I point out these little light examples of identity crises that we find ourselves in so often in the world. Because time and time again, we answer the question of who am I by looking at the world first, and very rarely do we ever look at God. But if we would just stop and consider what God says for just a moment, we would see a counter-worldly approach to our identity. In fact, Jesus would go so far as to say this in John 15. He would say, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Now, there are some profound things in this one scripture that's worth unpacking. And the first one I think is important for us to to wrestle with. The first question is, what in the world is he talking about with the world? And the world can really have two definitions. The first definition could be the physical world that we live in, right? The dirt, the sun, the shine, like the water, all that stuff. That's not what Jesus is talking about right there. The second type of definition you can have for the world is known as the influence on our society that, that, ha, that has on us with these sinful ways that lead us farther from God, like that kind of world. That is the world that Jesus is talking about, the world that pushes us away from God. But the second important thing to unpack from this verse is actually two letters long and sets the entire pace for the scripture. It's this word right here, this word, if. Jesus says, if you belong to the world. If. Now, that, that's huge because those two little letters present us with something that's really important to consider, and that two little letters pre- pre- gives us the opportunity for choice. If means that there's choice. It means that, that we aren't forced to follow the world and what it tells us. We don't have to be caught up in what the world tells us that we should be or how we should think or how we should act. If says, hey, there's another way. But but Jesus does say in the scripture, he says, hey, if you want the world to define you, if you want what the, world, the world to tell you what your identity is, hey, it's going to give you a big old bear hug. It, it'll squeeze you tight, and it's actually going to call you its own, he says. It'll call you its own. But if you want that to be true, then I believe this next statement is true, that if your identity is the world's to own, it will own you. If, the, if your identity is the world's to own, it's, it's going to own you. But Jesus doesn't finish off with just that. He he has something profound that he says in the second part of that verse. Again, we'll throw this back up here. We've already kind of looked at it. He said, since there is this if up here, since there is a choice, it means there's another option. And he says, the other option is me. Jesus says, I, that's Jesus, have chosen you. But look very closely where he chose us from. He chose us from where? Out of the world. Jesus plucked us out of the world, which means that if Jesus wants us to be chosen out of the world, then why would he want us to go back into the world to find our identity? So it reminds me of the time that my my wife, Sheree, and I, um, uh, we had one of the most magical dates, day kind of times, like ever, ever. Um, it was before I was in ministry, and the president of the company that I worked for, he, he actually, he bought my wife and I a night at the Ritz-Carlton and dinner in downtown Chicago for all the hard work. hmm yes, hmm and all, God, all God's people said, amen, yes, that night did not stink at all, it was amazing, praise Jesus, Ritz-Carlton, right? All right so, so first off, let's talk about that hotel, the Ritz, all right? By the time we got our car valeted, which is the first time we ever had our car valet, how amazing is that, right? Just give your car, oh, oh right? And the, by the time we the valet and we went to the front desk, they already knew us by our names. They called us, well, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Hunt. Hi <laughs> to you too, right? It was amazing, right? Amazing. They, but they had our bags in our rooms before we could blink. The room was immaculate, including a mint on the pillow. I mean, they do that, okay? We opened the drapes. The view of the city was breathtaking. And the bed sheets felt like you were sleeping on angel wings lined with unicorn fur. Oh, so good. You know? And if you listen close enough, the pillows would call you by name as you lay down on them. Yeah. Hello, Brian. It was amazing. It was so good. Right? And the dinner... Oh, Smith & Walensky's Steakhouse downtown Chicago is the GOAT, y'all. Okay, I'll go, fist, I'll go fist with somebody about that, okay? You can Ruth, Chris, whatever you want. Smith & Walensky's, that's my jam, right? So there's, it's the best steak place I've ever been to. Steak, you don't even need to chew it. it just melts in your mouth. You just shove it and just, ah, it's amazing. Side dishes were silly good, silly good. Chocolate cake bigger than my forehead. I mean, oh! Oh, jeez! Oh, it's was amazing. And you know the best part of the whole thing? None of the calories counted. None of them. Said it right there in the menu. It just says, keep eating. That's just what it said, right? No. Okay. So what happened? My boss had picked Sheree and I up out of the normal world and had placed us in the best of the best. But let me tell you, next time I stayed at a Hampton Inn, okay, or ate at an Outback Steakhouse, I'm the same. No, the blooming onion just didn't cut it. It wasn't gonna work, right? Because the Ritz and the Smith and Malinsky's had ruined hotels and steaks for me forever, right? Forever. But let me tell you, this is what Jesus says he wants to do for us when it comes to the world. He says, I wanna choose you out of the world and I wanna ruin any version of living that this world tries to convince you is better than me. He says, no, 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 compared to me, It ain't nothing like me. He says, don't be owned by the world. Let me choose you out of the world. So this means Jesus doesn't see us as identified with the world, but in fact, he chose us out of the world to be identified with him. That we don't find our identity in what the world says, but in what Jesus says about who we are. And the words of the Apostle Paul help us to reframe this identity. He says this in Colossians 3, 4. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love this because it reframes everything about our identity. It means that when Christ is Our life, right, when our life, not our hobby, not not our get out of hell free card, not our necklace that we wear around our neck, not the tattoo on our arm, but when Jesus is our life, we are completely and utterly defined by him. And when that happens, there is no need, no room, no second thought about what the world says in the matter. We don't care. And the reason is because what Paul says in in the verse right before this, he would say, for you, 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 me, died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So this means that when Jesus chooses you out of the world, when Jesus plucks you out of your sinful life, we are now hidden, we are now defined, what? With Christ, right? With Christ. And we are identified by Christ. Christ, And in that moment, we choose to forfeit any other worldly identity that we're tempted to define ourselves by because what Jesus offers us is so much better. And the truth is that we all have a little identity crisis in us. I just told you about mine just a little bit. We all have something in our life, but in order to fully embrace this truth of having Jesus in our life, we have to identify the other identities that we try to believe in our life. We have to learn to whittle down and whittle away all the other stuff in our life so that what's left is, is, is truly defined by what Christ says and it is completely identified by what he tells us. It means that we have to do that heartwork, work, the heartwork work that it takes to trust what Jesus says, that what he says is more important than anything else this world wants us to believe. Even, listen, even if that means we have to say no to some things, that we once, as Jesus would say, loved as our own. But before we start to look at any of these specific identities that we try to assume in our life, we need to establish the answer to a very important question, and that question is this, who am I? What what makes up me? But instead of looking at the world for the answers... Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe in religion, even if you're not sure about this whole God thing, I want us to at least consider what God says about our identity for nothing else than to at least know that there's an alternative voice to what the world says, just to at least know it's there. And thankfully, we serve a God who actually gives us a very clear definition of who we are in his eyes. But to answer it thoroughly, to answer it correctly, we have to be very, very thorough. It's not enough to just say, oh yeah, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. Yep, yep, I'm good to go. No, no, we need to look at the totality of who we are in God's eyes. We have to wrestle with the fact that we are mind, body, and soul. Because if we don't, here's what can happen. And I've seen this happen. You probably have seen this happen too. That in order to appease God, well, here's what we'll do. We'll throw him a bone by allowing to speak into the spiritual part of our life. Like, we figure that that if he should have a say in anything in my life, well, I guess the spiritual part. So... We'll give him that part, but nothing else. Everything else, our mind, our body, that is ours to determine what we should do with, In God, you need to butt out of that. But in that moment, you've completely undercut who you are. We limit the magnitude of what God created in us because we're not just a, a soul, right? We are body, mind, and soul, Now, this isn't, like, don't worry, this isn't something like we're not going to all become new agey and hand out crystals at the end of service and stop wearing deodorant. Like, that's not what we're going to do, okay? Not at all. No, the reason that this is true, the reason this is true right here is because that's how God made us to be. He made us with a body, with a mind, and with a soul, and for all of those things to worship him. So let's start off by considering what Jesus says. Jesus says this in Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, Jesus would say that that is the greatest commandment that any of us could ever keep, the greatest commandment. And the reason it's the greatest is because it creates the foundation of what God says about who we are and also how we're supposed to connect with God. He says that we are to love him with our heart, that is your body, with our soul, right there, and also with your mind this is a brain right right this right with your mind that we should love him and this is important right this is the most important way to love him and this is he's saying that we should love him with everything that we have in us so so these three things our heart our soul our mind make up everything of who we are and that we should and and if if we don't then it Jesus doesn't care about something, right? He said, this is about everything you are, so this is everything you should care about. But the question still remains, why are these so special? Why does he get to tell me what to do with my heart, my soul, and my mind? Well, this is where we have to search the scriptures and to see what God says. First and foremost, God created everything. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created, and boy, did he. Man, light and dark, sun and moon, fish in, the, fish in the sea, animals on the ground, birds in the air, water, land, whole nine yards. He created it all, and that also means that he created y'all, right? He created all of us. He created our bodies. He created our bodies. But he did so very specifically. Look closely at the distinction that he makes in verse 27. He would say, so God, there he is again, he created mankind, yep, that's you and me, in his Own image, he says, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It was so important that he said it twice. He says that we were created in his own image. This is known as the Imago Day. The Imago Day. The Imago Day. The image of God. And this distinction, this Imago Day, is what separates us from the rest of creation. As we'll see in just a moment. But you should know that God just didn't create the first man and woman and then like put it on autopilot for the rest of the time. Like, yeah, just carbon copy them all, right? We aren't carbon copies of each other. We're all different. Listen to what God would tell us in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. He would say this in the book of Psalms. He would say, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's the God of the universe handcrafting you and me inside our mother's womb and creating our inmost being. The very cells that are inside you, God had his hand in making those. And that creation was perfectly designed by God. He looked at us, and the book of Genesis would tell us that he would say, it is very good when man and woman were created. In other words, you are my masterpiece. You are perfect. You have my image on you. And that is still true. Even if by the world's standards, there may seem to be some faults or some flaws, or maybe that some people might think that he made a mistake, we are still his masterpiece that he loves, and he is still knitting, and he's still molding you and me, and we are all still impressed with the imago day image of God on us. It doesn't mean that things are easy. Don't get me wrong. Every person that is imprinted by God's image still has things that are hard that happen to them in life. Jesus would say so much. He would say, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, oh, by the way, uh, take heart. I've overcome all those hard things, all the difficulty things on that cross. On that cross, he did that for us. But can I tell you that even if life is hard, you know that God didn't create us to sit on a shelf like a trophy? He didn't make this like perfection thing, just stay put until I come back. No, no, no. He gave us life. Why? So we would live. And and it's true. You could choose to live however you want. That if that we talked about right at the beginning gives you that choice. But he also knows that our life was designed to find its fullness in him. Paul would say this in the book of Acts chapter 17. He would say, for in him we live and move and have our being. And as we live and as we move, we start to see that he actually has plans for us, which he set out ahead of time for us. Talked about it last week, but Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Did you know that God has better plans for you than anything you can ever imagine? And we get to receive that if we seek him with all that we are and that we realize that we only live when we actually live for him. But there is one last thing to consider when it comes to our body and who we are and our identity, and it's that since we didn't create ourselves, we can all agree that we didn't create ourselves, that means we were given this body. God says that we are to honor him by how we use that body. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 9, says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And this has implications for all kinds of things when it comes to our body. That means the food that we eat, how we exercise, the sleep that we get, the way that we abuse or take care of our bodies. Our bodies were given to us by God as a gift to glorify Him, the one that created us in the first place. So that's a third of who we are. That's our body. But we also so we are a body created by God in His image to live this life for Him, to experience the life that He gave us to, at the fullest possibility. But that's only a third. It doesn't stop there. We also body, we also are mind as well. Our minds are what make us able to think, to process, to feel, and even to reason. So important. It's part of what separates us from the rest of creation, our minds are. I mean, let's just, just for a second, let's think about it. Did you know that a lion doesn't consider the feelings of the gazelle that he's hunting down in the African plains? You know, he's not like, oh, boy, this is really going to hurt him. I'm so sorry, little buddy. No, he's just like, ah, I want to eat. That's what he does. But yet a human, right? We have a mind that allows us to think and feel about the effects and actions that we have on other people. Our minds are powerful. Our minds can wander away or they could be laser locked on something. Our minds could think about the present that you're going to get your brother for Christmas. In the next moment, you could think about that line that you're going to say back of that jerk on Facebook about what they said about you. Our our minds could cause us to lust after that woman at the gas station, and in the next breath, think about that verse that we remembered at camp when we were younger. But we need to remember that even our minds were given to us by God to define who we are, which is why God is so adamant that we make sure that we give even our minds over to him and not let those things run amok. Romans chapter 12 verse two says it clearly. it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. then you will be able to rest and be able to test and approve that God's what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There that word is again. Jesus keeps coming up over and over this whole day. I have about the world, the world, the world. Paul says that we were not meant to conform to this world this world. And one of the ways that we don't fall into the pattern into the conformity of this world is when we start to renew our mind, start to renew our mind. Now, renew in the, in the Greek is the word kinos, and kinos means new, new, which means that we are no longer, when we're no longer conform to the world, we can think in a new way. And the only way that that's possible, the only new way that's possible to think about is when we think like Jesus. Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter three, verse two, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Isn't it true that our minds will tell us all kinds of things? You're not pretty enough. You need to lose weight. You're not good enough. Don't hang out with them. They don't think the same way that you do. If you could just make a little bit more, you'll be happier. But this new mind, this kynos mind of God, when we think of godly things and not worldly things, all of a sudden you start living differently, start thinking differently. Because our minds will also lie to us, won't they? It'll, it'll tell you that since you're not as successful as your sister, you're not as worthy. It, it'll tell you that, um, that if, if you're not married, then you're not worthy. It, it'll tell you that, you're, that if you're not just like everybody else, you're just not like them, you're not gonna feel as good as you possibly can. And it's that untethered mind that can cause, us, can cause all kinds of damage in our life. But when we let our minds be renewed, a kinos, a new way of thinking by Jesus, we won't be so quick to be swayed to be identified by anything other than what God says about us. And what's crazy, this is so cool to think about, since God made us from scratch, it also means that he has hardwired in our minds the ability to seek and pursue him with all that we have. Did you know that? Listen, Hebrews chapter 8 tells us so clearly Writer of Hebrews says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. How cool. So as we look at who we are, we must understand that God made our minds so that in the purest focus possible, this kainos focus, we think of nothing but him. So body, mind, but that gives us the third area you got to look at, which is our, our soul, body, mind. In the soul. We have to look at that. And once again, being created in God's image, being unique from all other creations, he created man and woman with a soul. that no other aspect of creation has to, to nurture that part of themselves. It's the part of us that will live forever when this life is over, either with Jesus or apart from Jesus. But only through God are we given salvation from the sin that's in our life. Writer of Psalm would say this in Psalm 62, truly my, there it is, soul finds rest in who? God, my salvation comes from him. And it's our soul that's destined to be judged by God when this life is over. Hebrews chapter nine very clearly says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And it's our souls that Jesus ultimately says we are to focus on the most when it comes to who we are. Not that we neglect the other two of our body and mind, but if we have a healthy body and we have a clear mind, but we have a lost soul, we have nothing. Jesus says this, Jesus is clear. He says, do not be afraid of those, pay attention, this is important. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Listen, right here. Rather be afraid of the one, capital O, Jesus, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's our soul that longs to be reconnected with God through Jesus, to break free of the callous of sin that surrounds our soul and our souls. Did you know our souls are longing for this to happen? Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So our souls, this says this, our souls are spiritually dehydrated without being connected to God. And the reason is, is that he's the source of all of our life. And only in him does our soul come alive. And only through Jesus are we reconnected with him as our sins are forgiven. So guys, we are not just a body. We're not just a mind. We're also a soul. We're all three of these things. That's what makes us up. We are made up of a mind, a body, and a soul. And it's clear that in our entirety, we were created by God for his glory. Ephesians chapter two, I love this. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I cannot tell this enough. I love this scripture so much because it says that you are made on purpose for a purpose by God himself. That you, right there, you, right there at home, were made on purpose, on purpose for a purpose by God himself. Which means, which means that anything that steps outside of that intended purpose places us outside of the will of God. And that happens when this world tries to steal our identity and tell us who we are instead of resting in who God says that we are. Which is why I'm telling you right now, if you get nothing else out of today, and I want you to carry this the rest of the series, I want you to know this that I am who you say that I am. That's what we need to know. That I am who you say that I am, God. And and, and listen, I, I love you enough to be as clear and as upfront as possible as I can with you. That nothing short, nothing short of who God says that you are will satisfy your mind, your body, or your soul. You will always be lacking. Why? Because the world will never be able to give you what only God can. No, not, not money, not sex, not your job, not your politics, not your relationships, nothing. After all, Jesus is very clear. Mark chapter 8. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? It forfeit their soul. Please, never mortgage your soul for the sake of this world. Never. Never never sell your identity short for the sake of this world. Would you never allow anyone but God to define you? Because you know why? They will never, this world will never, they will never see you the way that God does. He, he loves you. He cares for you. You have value in him. And your true and purest identity is when you say, I am who you say that I am. Right? That is the God of the universe speaking to you right now. And, 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 guys, I get it. Like, I'm not naive. I know that some of you are probably saying that is crazy because, listen, it's becoming more foreign and more foreign in our, our, in our world to believe that somebody other than me can tell me who I am, right? To say that God can tell me who I am, we're like, no, 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 no. I might give you my soul, but you're not getting my mind. You're not getting my body. And, and God is saying, listen, I love you enough to tell you I want to identify your identity, why? Because I love you, because I created you, because I have a plan for you, because I know your inmost beings. I know your cells. I know what's in your heart. I know what's in your mind. I know that you are lost without me. He says, you have value. You are loved. And the reason is, because is I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for that point. That's why you are loved. Anything other than that, anything other than that is a lie. The world wants you to believe that because it wants you to drift from God, but you don't have to. When you believe that you are who he says that you are. So what are we going to do? What are some takeaways from today that we can kind of think about? Each week we try to give you tag, your at moments, things that you can tangibly do this next week to actually apply what you've heard. Number one, maybe you need to memorize John 15, 19. I'll read it again. It says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. Maybe you need to memorize that this week. Maybe the second thing you need to consider is that you need to prayerfully identify your identity in God. To have, to say this scary prayer that says, God, tell me who I am. God, tell me where I'm believing something that's not true about me. Who am I? And then maybe third, join a growth group. I'm telling you, if you haven't joined a growth group yet, get involved. Get people around you so you can be reminded by other people about who you are. In your app, there's an easy way for you to be able to do this. I would encourage you to download that if you haven't yet and just click on this. It's a way for you to just tell us, hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. It's a way for accountability too. We'd love for you to do that on the app, online or in person. But here's what I want us to do as we close out. the service today and get ready for communion. Um, You notice you didn't get communion on the way in, and that was on purpose. I know some of you are like, oh, let me explain it. Here's what we're going to do today. Um, There are six different stations that are all around the auditorium, and online, I've got something for you in just a second, so just hang tight with me. uh, Six different stations throughout the auditorium, and what you'll notice, they're all the same. There is a a spot where you can get your communion. There's also gluten-free there, too, if that's a need that you have. It's spot where you can get your communion. But after you get your communion, there's also a mirror that's on the table. Mirror's got a word that might be on it. You'll see how it all comes together next, next week. But um, in that mirror, right in front of it is, a, is an ink pad. And what you want you to do is take your thumb, put your thumb in that ink pad, and then just roll it at a spot, an open spot in the mirror. And then you have a choice. After you're done, you can either grab one of these wet wipes and wipe it all up if you'd like, or even something pretty cool about keeping your thumb mark, because what I want you to do is as you look in that mirror, I want you to remind yourself that I am who you say that I am, God. As you look in that mirror and you put that thumbprint, that thumbprint that is unique to you, no one else has it like you, that when you put it on there, it reminds you that you are valued, you are special, that you are who he says you are, mind, body, and spirit. Now online, here's your challenge, what I want you to do. Okay? Now what I want you to do is that as we're doing this in just a second, I want you maybe to go to your restroom or maybe wherever you get dressed in the morning, and I want you to take a dry erase marker, and I want you to write, I am who you say that I am on that mirror. So that when you look and you get dressed every morning, that you can't help but see that truth being spoken back to you. You could put your thumbprint on there if you want to, but that's a, a challenge for you right now. Now to keep things organized here in the auditorium, what I'm gonna ask is that if uh, the ones in the front, we'll have our ushers stationed throughout the worship center and the the auditorium. If you're in the back, they're gonna have you go to the back to be able to get yours and do your thumbprint. If you're in the front, they'll have you come to the front and they'll direct you to different spots. Be nice, okay, be nice. And just be able to do that calmly and collectively as the worship team is gonna be singing a song over you. But really take this time. We'll come back together, we'll commune together as a body of believers. So whether you're writing on your mirror at home or you're doing this element here in the worship center, take this time to remember, you are who Jesus says that you are because of what he did for us on the cross. You're loved, you're valued, you're special. You're created on purpose for a purpose. And that's pretty awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you just with hearts that want to have them beat for you. We want so desperately, Father, for you to speak into our lives because we all have this inner question of who am I? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? And God, it's so grateful to know that you answer that for us, that we were created by you in our inmost being, that with a renewed mind, we can focus on you, and that our soul pants like a deer pants for water to be connected with you, and all three of those things are accomplished through Jesus. As we believe in you, Jesus, and what you did for us on the cross, as you defeated death, as you prepared a place for us, you were screaming to us, "I, you are who I say that you are. And because of that, we are, we are made whole. May we worship you now as we put these thumbprints on, as we sing to you, as we remember you through communion, we give it to you. We love you and thank you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.